Thanks for downloading this show from PC One. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast. Napa Know How. This month, get a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil plus a Napa Platinum Oil Filter for $21.98. That's a pretty unbelievable deal. But trust us, it's totally real, but only for a limited time. So get Napa Full Synthetic and a Napa Platinum Oil Filter for $21.98 today. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General States pricing. Sales prices do not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends for This podcast is brought to you by Braintree. If you think that your payment system exists solely for the purpose of transferring money from a customer's wallet to yours, think again. Braintree. Rethink payments. Learn more at braintreepayments.com slash Forbes. This is Forbes Sports Money on Podcast One. And I'm your host, Mike Ozanian. This show is all about the business of sports. Welcome to another episode of Forbes Sports Money. My guest today is sports media expert Chris Bevilacqua of the firm Bevilacqua Helfont Ventures. Chris, thanks a lot for coming on the show. All right. Great to be back with you again, Mike. Hey, Chris, you know, the thing that I really wanted to discuss with you off the top is, were you surprised at all about the announcement about Amazon signing that $50 million deal with the NFL to carry Thursday night football? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, we've been hearing uh, they had been in uh, discussions with a variety of the digital players and Amazon being in the mix there, and they've been talking quite a big game, uh, Amazon that is, over the last uh, you know couple of years about making a move in sports. And so... Um, you know, I was not surprised that that they came out with the, you know, uh, a deal there. I mean, I mean, last year, as you know, they did the one-year deal with Twitter, and uh, you know, the the NFL is is very very good at uh, over time uh, really working the marketplace, and they you know they clearly have a focus on the digital players in the space uh, designed to get them all ginned up, uh, you know, for the the next round of, of bidding, which won't come for several years from now. So, yeah, I think uh, the Amazon piece is sort of right in line with all that. The amount surprised me. As, as the numbers have been reported in the press, the Amazon deal was worth $50 million, non-exclusive. Last year's deal with Twitter for Thursday Night Football was, if I recall correctly, at least in the papers, $10 million, non-exclusive. And then the prior year, I think there was a one-game deal – with uh, with yeah. Yahoo, which yeah. was I think around seventeen to twenty million, but that was exclusive, which may account for why it was so much for one game. Um, the increase from last year to this year, going from Twitter to Amazon, that kind of surprised me a little bit. But I guess is this explained at least in part because of Amazon's ability to to monetize this deal, that is, get more people to pay for Amazon Prime? Yeah, that's precisely what it is. And so if you just look at it, I mean, really, what this really is, is a marketing deal, you know, designed or uh, camouflaged as a content uh, agreement. And, you know, if you're Amazon and you've got this uh, multi-billion dollar a year platform called Amazon Prime, would you spend $50 million to market it to people that, you know, by depending on what analyst uh, you believe, the the average Prime member is spending anywhere between two and a half to five times more on Amazon than a non-Prime member. So it's, uh, if you sort of look at it that way, whether this would have been 10 million, 50 million or 100 million, it really wouldn't have mattered. It's such a... Uh, it's a big opportunity for for Amazon. I'm interested to see, uh, you know, how they use this. Now, at the start of the show, I described you as a sports media expert, but please take a, a thirty seconds or show or so and tell our audience precisely what it is your firm, Bevilacqua Health Fund Ventures, does. We primarily do media advisory work for for rights holders, for for properties like leagues and teams and federations that are looking to sell their media rights. And so we'll get hired and help to exploit 
the sale of media rights, um, you know, locally, regionally, nationally, internationally, depending on the property. Um, and then secondly, we also, in a similar way, we work with, with rights holders, you know, on their commercial, other commercial rights beyond media rights, mainly in the footwear and apparel area, so that we're always working with properties that are looking to sell their their rights to the likes of Nike and, and Under Armour and Adidas and so forth. And so those are the two areas that we primarily focus on, on a, a, a advisory uh, capacity. And then, you know, we, we also have dabbled in, in investing. So we have, we have a handful of investments where we, we actually will become equity investors in, you know, emerging platforms. We have an investment in like a, uh, a mobile video company called Unscripted, uh, based out of uh, Australia, actually, former Nike guys. And then, uh, in addition, we also provide them with advisory services work. So we do a little bit of investing in addition to our, our, our advisory work. How and has, uh, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. Finish what you got to say. No, I was going to say, and, and like I said, we've been at this now for you know five or six years and uh, having a good time. And uh, we, we're working with some really cool clients. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. A curious thing happened to FreshBooks on its way to becoming the largest cloud accounting software platform for small business owners in the world. As a company, they've managed to stay small while scoring over 10 million users strong. Or is it the other way around? Has FreshBooks customer base soared because their company has stayed small? Named as a small giant, on Forbes' list of best small companies this year, FreshBooks has been recognized for focusing on greatness over growth. By drastically simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, and delivering award-winning customer service that usually picks up in under three rings, FreshBooks has changed how small business owners deal with their day-to-day paperwork. This is only a fraction of what FreshBooks can do And they want you to see more. To claim your 30-day free trial, no credit card required, just go to freshbooks.com slash Forbes and enter Forbes Sports Money in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned the five or six years because, you know, sort of around that time, we started to see a big change in how sports content, well, all content, but, you know, for this show and you and I being big sports guys, how sports content is consumed. And you, is it an accident that you guys started as sort of there became this big growth area uh, towards streaming content? Um, no, you know, listen, we've, if you go back in time, I mean, I like to, I um, mean, you know, I've been in the sports industry now for over, over 30 years. And uh, starting back when I was a, production assistant back at NBC Sports in the, you know, in the late 80s. And, um, you know, in the mid 90s, I was working for Nike. Um, You know, I was their global negotiations director. And so I was out making all the deals with colleges and universities and professional leagues and really Nike's early foray into, you know, the, the licensing business, you know, when they were really starting to build an apparel business. And, you know, at that time, I thought, you know, with with the advent uh, of the 1996 Telecommunications Act, you know, without flying around the country, uh, meeting with all these rights holders, it, it became clear to me that, you know, we were headed towards a day where we were going to have 500 channel universe someday. And there was going to be all these new distribution platforms, you know, starting with satellite TV that rolled into digital cable that eventually rolled into a robust internet and broadband with broadband capabilities. And so what you were going to have over, over some period of time, and I, I think we're reaping the benefits of that now, was you were going to have, um, you know, all these new uh, pipelines built to get out to customers in mass. Okay. And so, you know, thereby creating just a lot more shelves to put a lot more products on. And, you know, over time, that's that's sort of what's happened. If you look over the last, you know, that's that's 20 years ago. And in the last five years, right, so once satellite got fully distributed and digital cable came and then broadband came and then 
um, obviously the the U.S. was was among the early markets to invest in all of the infrastructure required to do all that. You know, and then that sort of you know rippled around the world, and you know you look at the the pace of change. Looking back to the when that was first enacted in 1996 to where we are now, I mean, what it is mind-boggling now, having having watched this from the beginning, the the pace of change that's occurring just over the last 24 or 36 months. I mean, it, it's it is just it's hard to keep track of all this. I mean, there are companies that didn't even exist 10 years ago that are have some of the highest uh, market caps in the world in any uh, sector. And so I think uh, you're just going to continue to see more and more of that. And, you know, it's it, it's very exciting for someone that works in the midst of all this. What specifically was it about the 1996 uh, Telecom Act that led you to believe that we'd see this explosion in new technology and new investment in, uh, uh, in, in uh, ways of uh, presenting content? Well, I, you know, I think that they were they were at the time, you know, this that this goes back to the breakup of the bells and you know how they weren't going to let the 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 big guys control it anymore and there was they were trying to uh the legislation was trying to um incentivize investment so that you know all these new technologies could get built out and you know so there were there was you know the, the, the way things were going to be taxed and the way things were going to be incentivized to basically build, uh, you know, new new pipes, if you will, you know, through through satellite and cable. And and if you just think about, you know, wiring a country that has 350 million people, that's not inexpensive. And so, you know, they were this is everything from launching satellites into space to digging up the streets and putting, you know, uh, putting poles up so that you can put, you know, these cell towers and digital cable and fiber and all that, you know, really was going to require hundreds of billions of dollars of private investment. And so, you know, you had to, you had to believe in, and I was, I was always was, and still remain, uh, you know, on the, on the, if you will, the, the seller side or the IP, the, the intellectual property side, knowing, you know, I've always been a big believer that content really is king. And as you build out new shelf space, you're going to need to put valuable IP on the shelf so that, um, you know, consumers will come and buy it. And, you know, I, I thought that it, that that would take some period. I mean, I mean, it's 20 years when you look back right. you know, to, to that day. So that that's a, and that's an entire generation, and, and it's probably if you added it all up, had trillions of dollars of investment. When you know you think about um, what's gone into you know all the building of all these various platforms around the world, but it all I think that was the ignition or the the yeah the the yeah I think the ignition switch that set all this off and really it started to accelerate. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Braintree. A lot of businesses, too many, think of payments as a mechanical function. It just needs to work. But your payment solution can be an engine for growth. It can help up your conversion rates. It can help tap you into market growth. It can help allay security concerns that are limiting your customers' spending. And payments can be a way to provide new experiences to your customers. You want to grow your business? Rethink your payments. Braintree. Rethink payments. Find out more at braintreepayments.com backslash Forbes. And, you know, it's amazing. Uh, moments after the Am news of the Amazon NFL deal broke, you know, I was checking. Amazon stock price was up. Twitter, which some people had thought may get the deal, their stock price was down. You know, the, the reaction was immediate. And, and that's really the market voting to about what you're saying in terms of, you know, you could have great pipes, great, great ways to distribute content. But if you don't have the key content that people want to consume, you know, it really doesn't matter. And then you fast forward just like a couple of days after the Amazon deal. I'm reading the story. It says Twitter announces new sports live streaming initiatives with 24 hour sports channel NFL WNBA, which is the Women's Professional Basketball League, and the PGA Tour. And 
they're making this big announcement. And, you know, obviously to put something like this together, it must have been in the works. But that said, is this is a way for them to combat what Amazon is doing, what Google and Facebook, I presume, may do in the near future. Oh, I, I think that's right. I mean, if you think back to, you know, that announcement, it's not that dissimilar to the announcements that ESPN was making in the 19, early 1980s, right? We're going to have this 24-hour live sports channel. We're going to have all these events. And, you know, they didn't start out with NFL and PGA, but they, you know, they took a few years to get there. And this will be the, I, I think, Twitter's aspirations anyway, or the, the, the 21st century of, of what ESPN was in the early, early linear cable world. We'll see if they, you know, they eventually can make it happen here. I mean, I'm not, um, I, mean, I think it's a, it's a nice announcement, but actually getting real when they say they have PGA and NFL and they obviously don't have NFL live games. And then you have to sort of think about what's the tertiary content around that where you can create, you know, a, a living, breathing live element to sports consumption. And, you know, I, I think uh, it'd be something that'd be interesting to watch. You know, I think getting well-known names may be a key because as part of the announcement says Derek Jeter's media company the Players Tribune will have an exclusive live show on Twitter I don't know exactly what that will be and it says at verified will include athletes like Seattle Seahawks cornerback Richard Sherman another well-known outspoken guy Minnesota Timberwolves power forward Carl Anthony Towns and Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver A.J. Green answering questions from fans and giving their reactions to what's occurring on and off the field or court. I, you know, it seems that with uh, this type of technology, streaming, and the social media that's tied to it, fans are, the consumer that is, is gra- are gravitating towards it uh, for one reason is that they can get uh, responses and engage in conversations and get feedback much closer to real time than they can from broadcast television. Yeah, no, I think I think there's something to be said for that. I mean, this sounds to me like it just it's the 21st century version of the old Roy Firestone chats. Remember, he used to right. have athletes on once a week and you know, unfiltered, you get to talk to, you know, you hear the athletes speak. I mean, this is just a, um, you know, the 21st uh, century version of that with with no filter. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. FreshBooks is a ridiculously easy-to-use cloud accounting software for small business owners that saves you time and gets you paid faster. Now used by over 10 million people worldwide. For your 30-day free trial, go to freshbooks.com slash Forbes and enter sports money in the how did you hear about us section. As, as you looked at uh, over the last couple of years, Chris, in terms of how people are watching sports, um, maybe just sticking with live sports first, how much uh, has the market share changed from television to online or streaming? Well, you know, in sports, I think it's still very, very heavily weighted to television. And, you know, it's it's 95.5, maybe 90.10, where you're having the vast majority of live sports consumptions through the television set. Now, it used to be, you know, not that long ago, it was 100 to zero. Um, so there's a what what is occurring and, you know, you read a lot about the the cord cutters and the cord shavers, but it's really the cord nevers, right? That, and that's really the often referred to as millennial generation, right? That isn't buying cable TV or not in front of a television set. They're watching and they're doing the vast majority of their consumption on, on mobile devices. And, you know, that's a, that will take, uh, you know, the better part of a generation to play itself out, right? Because, um, you know, we grew up a certain way. We, we watched television. You and I go back to the days where there were, there were three networks. You sit in front of your TV, you have a remote control, right? And you, you, have to, you have to get up and go turn the dial, physically turn the dial. And then remote controls came out and cable TV came out and, 
you know, you and I watch television much differently. And, you know, you have, you have a, your daughter's what, 10 years old, 10 or 11? That's right, 10. 10 years old. You know, I have a 10 year old. They, they just, they watch stuff and consume media much differently than we do. And as they get older and they, and they grow up, um, the, the mobile consumption percentage of live sports consumption will, I think will go up. I, you know, it's hard to know how much further it will go up, but we, you know, that's something that's going to be, uh, changing and evolving as, uh, as time marches on. As, as I look at these deals, as they pop up with companies like, like for instance, Facebook has the NBA D league, which is the developmental league for the NBA USA basketball exhibition games, MLS via Univision, the World Surf League, um, and you know Twitter, which we mentioned in the past, had Thursday Night Football. Uh, they had Copa America via Univision and Fox. They had Wimbledon, um, and uh, Google, I think, is trying to get some properties. I don't think it has anything yet. But it almost seems like these lists of sports rights are eclectic. In other words, it's hard for someone like me to say that Twitter's strategy is X, Amazon's strategy is Y, and Facebook's is Z. Um, so do they have concrete strategies, or are they just doing this as it goes? Um. You know, it's a good question. I think it's probably somewhere in between. I mean, you got to remember that if you just sort of step back and you think about what's going on, right? The, you know, there's there's no question that that video consumption, right? And this is where the the measurement systems are are behind. Where you know, obviously Nielsen and and you know the 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 customary measurement of television consumption. Um, you know, is a little bit or a lot of it antiquated. And, you know, they're scrambling around trying to create these TAM products, right? That's the total audience measurement product because you're getting all this consumption off of, you know, off of television that rightfully so the, the people that own those rights want to be able to sell it and monetize it. And so in, in a world of fragmenting media, right, the, the sports still has a very, very, um, valuable position in all this because their consumption is up. They're just not getting credit for all the, you know, all the ways and all the areas where, where sports are being consumed live and, you know, not only live, but also after the fact. And so I, you know, on the macro level, you know, there, what has not really, um, you know, arisen out of all this is there really hasn't been a, a monetization Okay, I'm just speaking you know, broadly from the 35,000 level. Right. The digital aspects and all this non-linear, non-television consumption has not, um, or the monetization of that has not caught up with the consumption. And I think, and the reason for that is m most of the high-value live sports, right, is still sealed in the customary pay TV platform, and so. They'll, and, that, and what I mean by that is that all the major rights deals like NFL, MLB, uh, NBA, uh, NHL, um, you know, Olympics and so on and so forth, those are all owned by the traditional media companies that have a very, very high incentive to keep the wall around the, the pay TV aspect or the pay TV platform. And, you know, in the meantime... The only rights that really come up, I mean, there's some exceptions, are some of these, you know, as you said, eclectic, smaller properties. And that really only allows the, these, these digital platforms to, you know, in a way, sort of stick their toe in the water and, and experiment with how this all might work in anticipation. And that's where we started off the conversation at the very top when you were asking about the NFL and Amazon. And I think what really the NFL is... Is, is doing is they're taking, you know, 5% of their, of their overall inventory and they're experimenting on an annual basis with a new partner every year to see, you know, if they can get, you know, uh, in the, get a better understanding of, of how consumption works and how monetization works, as well as the people that are buying these rights from them. So that come 2021, 2022, when their big packages come in the market, you know, you're going to have a whole 
a whole new set of bidders for these rights because they've all figured out how to monetize it. And so I think over the next three, four, five, six years, I think you're going to see lots and lots of these these types of short-term deals, experimentation with, you know, presentation, experimentation with how advertising works, experimentation with subscription products and VR and, you know, all the other things that, that are going on in the, in the ecosystem. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Napa know-how. This month, get a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil plus a Napa platinum oil filter for $21.98. That's a pretty unbelievable deal. But trust us, it's totally real, but only for a limited time. So get Napa Full Synthetic and a Napa Platinum Oil Filter for $21.98 today. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General States pricing. Sales prices do not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends for $30.19. Hey, I'm Emmanuel Acho, host of Beyond the Film Room, where we take the muzzle off the mouse of premier athletes. Every Thursday, join me and your favorite sports figures as we tackle the uncharted topic of sport and discuss the far-reaching impact outside of the stadium itself. Download episodes every Thursday at PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe at iTunes. Forbes Sports Money Podcast is brought to you by WordPress.com. WordPress powers 20% of all websites, including Forbes blog posts. Get 15% off your new website today at WordPress.com slash Forbes. That's WordPress.com slash Forbes. Yeah, you know, I think that's a big point because if I'm not mistaken, as you mentioned, the NFL's big deals with ESPN and then also with the networks comes up, I think, in 2022-2021. I believe Major League Baseball, they have deals with Turner and uh, Fox as well, and I think those deals also come up somewhere around that time. And then the NBA, I think, goes through 2024 or something like that. So there's sort of this window that they have to figure this out, and it's very important because, you know, somebody like me, is looking at this always through the context, you know, first of team valuations, you know, how much your team's worth, because that's, that's my gig. And media rights, the revenue that comes with media rights, uh, are like the key thing that drives these values. So to be able, for these te- leagues to be able to do, uh, monetize the digital side is, is going to be so important. Um, let me play devil's advocate here for a second, um, And I'm also thinking about this from the sense from Forbes, right? Because we've gone through this sea change ourselves where, you know, five, six years ago, the vast majority of our content was consumed by people who were reading the print version of Forbes magazine. Um, Now, uh, our online audience has gotten huge. And in particular, the fastest growing part of that is mobile. But... It's hard, more challenging to monetize because of the rates advertisers are willing to pay for the digital side. So playing devil's advocate, as I look at the sports league, is it possible that uh, the fragmentation that you described and, and hence the diminution in each audience as delivery modes expand could lead to, if not a decline, a, a slower growth rate in the media rights revenues of these sports leagues? Well, it, it just depends. I think the answer is yes and no. It really depends on who you are, right? So it all goes back, as you know, it all goes back to consumption, right? So obviously if you're the NFL and you've got 30 million people a week watching your product, um, that's a pretty good place to be because there's nowhere else in media um, with with zero exception, is that you, uh, as an advertiser, can buy, you know, that type of consumption. So, and that's why the NFL has been successful in kind of slicing and dicing their rights uh, more so than than any other property, just because you know they they are heads and tails above anybody else in terms of the popularity of their of their programming. You know, and you could just sort of go down the list here, and I think, you know, if you, it, it, it really depends on. Uh, how the rights are getting brought into the market, and then what the what the leverage is. So if you're if, if you're just Forbes Sports Money or Forbes, and all you're selling is a 
Forbes audience, right? And you have to go to a media buyer, right? That's placing uh, advertising dollars, and you know they they have a certain bucket of dollars, and you know they're going to put it behind the, the big brands and ones that have leverage with them when they're buying other stuff. And so that's why, you know, that's why the bundle has worked so well for the. The, the cable industry and for media companies because you know they they don't let you cherry pick them. So if you're that's why ESPN's been so successful. Um, you know not only as a as a network that gets you know very widely distributed and gets a very healthy rate, but they also can do the same thing in the advertising world. You know they they just have access and rights to so so much product on a 12 month basis across so many different um, you know sports properties that. You know they they have real leverage, and when dealing with advertisers in the market, I mean, you just go down the list for any big media company that is selling a bundle of valuable content into the market. They they just have leverage, you know, in that equation. How much is OTT, as it's called, or over-the-top distribution, shaking up the online portion of distribution? Well, that's uh, yeah, there's a big shakeup going on there. I mean, I think that's. Uh, you know, that's that really is the the holy grail in the advertising industry is I think what you're you're seeing now with was and this is what's going to be um, a big part of the experimentation with the whole uh, model around how you more effectively sell content rights in particular sports is that, you know, you and, and this is where like folks like Amazon who have so much information about their audience um, that when they air a game, and you know, let's just take their new uh, NFL package here, right? And, and they have, um, you know, they plus or minus 65 or 70 million prime customers. That's, I think, what's, they don't release the numbers, but that's what roughly everybody thinks they're in. I've seen as high as 80 million. And Amazon will tell you that, you know, they, ju- they have just as much reach as ESPN does with their 85 million subscribers. But more importantly, they know every subscriber. So they, in theory, uh, with their platform, can, can send their viewers a different, you know, a different ad. You and I could be watching the same game, and you know, they'll, they'll know that you were trying to buy a pair of, uh, of uh, sneakers last week. And they might be able to serve you uh, a Nike ad, and they'll know that you know, I was looking to... Or my or uh, my wife or myself, who were both were both Amazon Prime customers. You know, I was looking to buy a lawnmower, and I might in that same spot get a, a an ad for a lawnmower, and you might get a Nike ad for your sneaker desires. So, I think when you start thinking about targeted ads uh, platforms around live sports audiences that have the demographic profile, um, you know, and the viewership and the size of that viewership, you you start getting into some really interesting. Um, you know, developments there and about how, how um, you know, that, that advertiser is going to pay a lot more on a CPM basis to reach the exact customer they want to reach at the exact moment in time I want to reach them. You know, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, right now, the way it is in the Ozanian household, most nights we sit down after Genevieve goes to bed, my wife comes out, we're on the couch in the living room, right? So I'm sitting there last night, for example, I'm watching the Yankee game. She's sitting there. She's got her iPad. Her earphones are on, and she's got. She's an Amazon Prime subscriber, so she's watching whatever she's watching. But at the same time, you know, occasionally looking up because you know baseball, you could do that. Look up, a new batter comes up, something happens, and you know, I'm sitting there going, you know, she's connecting. Amazon's knowing exactly what she's doing. But I'm feeling like old school, and I feel like I'm the one, you know, we're Verizon. They're our carrier. So I'm hooked on this package that I'm paying like 175 bucks a month for all this stuff. And I, I feel like I'm getting closer and closer to the point, Chris, where I'm going to go, geez, you know, enough of that. We don't really need the landline, and I can get rid of all this cost and just – Get content over the top, meaning I don't need a cable box. If I go that way, and Mike Ozanian, as you know, is a big sports fan, can I watch my Yankees, Rangers, Knicks, uh, and then you know my my Giants in the NFL? 
uh, without that box at this point? No. Not yet. How? how no. <laughs> you're the bearer of bad news. How, how, why, why can't I? What's the roadblock? Well, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier in this podcast was, uh, you know, most of those live rights that you just mentioned, like Yankee games and um, NFL games, uh, you know, those rights are really sealed inside of the pay TV ecosystem. Now, what you can do, like, so, for example, if you're a Yankees fan, so you and I have, yes, uh, if, if you don't have a cable box, you have no way to get that Yankee game in your home market. Right. Because mm. we live in the Yankee home market. If you lived in Boston, you could buy, you know, MLB.tv and get Yankee games because they're out of market games and you'd pay your 170 or 180 bucks a year to get MLB.tv. Right. Um, so that that's one way you could do it without a, a cable box. But, you know, we're, we're not we live in the home market. Um, you know, same as it relates to the NFL, to the extent that the giants on i'm a giant fan like you if you sent the giants are on over the air television we could run out and buy an antenna and we could watch you know their games on you know over the air but if you are a um you know if the game is on uh, monday night football um you know you're not going to be able to watch that game unless you have uh, a cable box we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back Small businesses are the heart of our communities. They're the places we could not live without. Whether you're looking to create a website for your business or a personal blog, you'll make a big impact when you build your site on WordPress.com. Even if you don't have experience building a website, WordPress.com can guide you through the process. You'll get built-in social sharing. And if you're on WordPress.com, you'll immediately have a leg up on everyone else when it comes to search engine optimization. On WordPress.com, you get support 24-7. Come see why more websites run on WordPress than any other platform. Get started today with 15% off any new plan purchase. Go to WordPress.com slash Forbes to create your website and find the membership plan that's right for you. That's WordPress.com slash Forbes for 15% off your brand new website. WordPress.com slash Forbes. Do you think, Chris, that um, I'm trying to look and I'm, I, I'm just keeping it simple here for a second. I'm going at people love sports. Therefore, unless these teams and leagues are deciding at some point they're going to give this stuff away for free, the content's always going to have a lot of value. And therefore, it's going to be important in terms of how much these teams and leagues are worth. Um, and the sports, though, are, are very different uh, and have unique characteristics. For example, you know, I think the case can be made that soccer is probably the most global of all sports. And, and you know, team, the well-known teams like Manchester United, Real Madrid and, and, and the big tournaments uh, – like the World Cup or the annual Champions League. Uh, and, and we're seeing now, you know, uh, Fox has the Bundesliga, the German League. They televise that in the U.S. NBC has the Premier League. Most global. Uh, the NFL gets the highest ratings, you know, no doubt about it. But it's only 16 regular season games. Baseball, which, oh, by the way, was the only sport in 2016 where ratings did not decline. They have the biggest inventory, right? 162 regular season games. And the NBA and the NHL, in terms of inventory, they're, they're sort of in the, in the middle between the NFL and Major League Baseball. The NBA, obviously, much more popular. But its ratings went down last year. In all of this, and as the consumption shifts more to streaming and over the top over the next several years... Do, does, do any of these leagues or, uh, ha, or have an advantage over another one? Will there be any change? Um, you know, I think like most things, these, they, they tend to ebb and flow. And, um, you know, it, it'll follow the, the, the narrative of all the stories that are happening, you know, throughout the, the leagues and, you know, what teams are playing well and what market and so forth. You know, but but I think that all of them will 
you know, over the next several years, right, the 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 rights to live sports will will only you know continue to have um, you know great value in this in this ecosystem. And you know, the the most of these right now, as you know, have have you know uh, four or five, seven, eight years remaining on them. Um, so we'll you know we'll see. We talked a little earlier about the NFL coming into the market. I think the NHL is actually the first one to come into the market in 20, I think they're 2020. Um, so I think it'll all, it'll, it'll work out fine. And what I, what I uh, anticipate will happen between now and then is you'll see all this experimentation going on in the digital space and you know, with, with an emphasis on, on mobile and how the ad uh how the ad units and how the how ad platforms will work and how people will figure out how to monetize all this. And, and I think it'll result in the leagues being in an even stronger position in the new world uh, consumption models and business models that uh, I think they'll all do very well next time around. Chris, do you think ESPN and Fox, uh, Fox Sports One, uh, do you think they could survive all this or, or come out of it in good shape? Yes, I do. Um, you know, the the ESPN's obviously uh, ha- has a, I think, a very aggressive initiative going on right now, um, turning their their big battleship in a different direction. And those kind of things, uh, especially with big, large companies like the Walt Disney Company, they, they just don't happen overnight. But I think they're taking steps and moving in that direction. And some of it you've seen with their reallocation of resources and uh, cost reductions. And then, of course, their investment into uh, BAM Tech is all an acknowledgement that they need to have their business and their brand uh, in a different uh, format going forward. I mean, they're not going to, they have to, in, in essence, disrupt themselves in, a, in an organized way over the next several years because they get uh, the vast majority of their revenue out of, uh, out of selling the bundle into the linear TV apparatus. And that is going to shrink over the next several years. But the big opportunity is on the other side with over-the-top and digital platforms. And they're going to need to make that transition. And, you know, it won't happen uh, overnight, but they, they now are looking at having to do that. And Fox is, is, is similarly in the, in the same space. So, um, they're going to have to make a similar transition. Yeah, I, I, and I think they're going to have to because they're going to have to, I think, keep spending more for these premier properties. I mean, I'm looking at, I think it was about two months ago. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think uh, you looked at the bidding for the UEFA Champions League, which as you and I are chatting now, I, the semifinals are being played. Uh, Real Madrid, I think, just pushed through on, in one of the semis. Um, but you know, the, uh, it was reported that uh, Turner Sports is going to spend more than $60 million per year for the, the UEFA Champions League rights, a, a deal that was made, uh, I think, more with Bleacher Report possibly and over-the-top considerations than broadcast TV. Uh, it, it was a significant increase. And, um, you know, but I think without... The streaming side of it and, and, you know, Bleach Report being their sports content side of it, it wouldn't have happened. So it seems like that bet is perhaps symbolic of what we may be seeing more of in the future where there's this sort of packaging, if you will, of what they can do with these sports rights. Yes, I think relative to that Champions League deal, I mean, two names that we haven't even mentioned and have to be at the top of the list is you got to peel the onion back one layer on this. And, you know, with, with, uh, Bleacher Report or, or with, with Time Warner and Turner bidding for those rights, you know, who, who are they about to get bought by? Right. They're, they're about to get bought by AT&T and direct TV. Who's got a product called direct TV now, right. Coming out. Uh, and, this type of product, right, live soccer games, especially during the middle of the day, which is when we would see them over here, is, you know, right in the wheelhouse for that type of platform. And so I think you're going to see, and you just saw yesterday that Verizon, was it two days ago, that Verizon picked up the London game 
and they paid about $21 or $22 million to the NFL for the NFL London game to put on Go90. So there's two examples of the big telco guys, right, that are now looking to own more and more content with AT&T, obviously buying one of the biggest content companies in the world. So right. I think you're going to see a continual melding of distribution and, and content. And, and if you go back a couple years further, when AT&T was uh, going to buy DirecTV, they had that clause in their contract, in the deal contract, that said if in the meantime, before that deal was uh, finalized, if DirecTV did not renew its rights for the NFL, that AT&T could call off the merger. So even back then it was showing how important AT&T thought sports was in general and, and the NFL in particular. Yep. That's a, that's a great point. Hey, Chris, before I let you go, um, what, do you, what are some of the things that you think may happen in, in the short term that folks out there that consume a lot of sports content might be interested in in terms of how they might be able to uh, consume content, uh, any new technologies out there, uh, or any uh, new companies, whether it be a Google or a Facebook or a Twitter, that uh, will be offering more spons- uh, sports content in the near future? Well, the the emphasis definitely is going to be on mobile and digital and, and all things non, non-linear, especially as it relates to the, uh, you know, the, the millennial, millennial audience that is really living in this world. So I think you're going to just continue to see more of that, more more valuable programming migrate over there, at least be available over there while also perhaps being available in the traditional linear space too, whereas it's now been pretty much all or nothing. So I think you're going to see more of that. And it will depend on the type of sports fan you are too, because there'll be some properties that if you're not in the top echelon, that really the only place you may be able to see them is through some kind of digital distribution. And, you know, obviously if you, if you wanted to, sling that back to your big TV. I mean, there's, there's obviously ways to do that, like Apple TV and Roku and, 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 and the Fire TV that would allow you to just have a, 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 a digital experience on a television set. But I, I think uh, absence and, and some of the bigger properties like the NFL are dribbling out stuff over, over like on a year-to-year basis. So I think you'll see more of that from some of, even some of the bigger properties. But, you know, with some of the smaller like you mentioned earlier, World Surf League and some of the, the more niche and, and passionate uh, fan groups around some of those other, other types of sports where I think you'll be moving into a, a digital-only environment. And then things like uh, mentioned earlier, vir- uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, I think it's still very, very early stage. Uh, so we'll have to see you know, some sports will play a little bit better than others in that area, but I, I know that Facebook through through Oculus and all of there they're talking a big game now around uh, augmented reality and and virtual reality and so we'll see we'll see how all that plays out and you know, they got a they got a, a billion eight eight people to experiment on so we'll <laughs> we'll see how that all works nice nice audience right there you know yeah. as, as you were summarizing that my mind was going to the Chicago Cubs and I'm thinking you know their media rights deal with uh, uh, their regional sports network uh, in, in, uh, that they own a, a chunk of expires, I think, around 2020, 2019. And I'm thinking, geez, you know, given they just won the first wor- their first World Series in like 8,000 years last year, and, and, you know, they've got this really good team right now. Boy, you know, if I'm Tom Ricketts, man, i got to be thinking I'm sitting in the catbird seat right now because he's going to have so many options in, in a few years, so many. No, you're right. Um, I mean, listen, it's always good to be the the owner of the IP, of the product that, that is, in this case, uh, must-have content. And, you know, I think it'll still be a bit of a choppy transition here over the next few years. But, but franchises and intellectual property like the Chicago Cubs and the NFL and, you know, uh, uh, NBA and, and you mentioned earlier Champions League soccer are, are going to continue to be at the top of the premium food chain. No, no question. Hey, Chris, uh, thanks so much 
for taking the time today. I know uh, over at Bevilacqua Health Fund Ventures, you guys are really, really busy with all that's going on. So uh, I'm very appreciative, as always, of your time and some great stuff, some great insight. Thank you so much. All right, you got it. And I'll look forward to seeing you uh, on the TV set sometime soon. Warp Sports Money on the Yes Network and FS1. Hopefully very soon, Chris. Thank you. All right, take care, Mike. That's it for this episode of Forbes Sports Money. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a comment or question, please email us at sportsmoney at podcastone.com. That's O-N-E dot com. Napa know-how. This month, get a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil plus a Napa platinum oil filter for $21.98. That's a pretty unbelievable deal. But trust us, it's totally real, but only for a limited time. So get Napa Full Synthetic and a Napa Platinum Oil Filter for $21.98 today. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General States pricing. Sales prices do not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends for thirty nineteen. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. London police have arrested Julian Assange on extradition charges to the United States, as well as for violating his bail. Assange is accused of publishing classified documents through WikiLeaks. In 2010, he told Sky News he was worried about what the U.S. might do to him. The United States recently has shown that its institutions seem to be failing. Uh, They are failing to follow the rule of law. And with dealing with a superpower... It does not appear to be following, following the rule of law is a serious business. He also said in 2010 the U.S. officials had threatened him and those associated with him. There has been many calls by senior political figures uh, in the United States, uh, including elected ones in the Senate, uh, for my execution, uh, the kidnapping of my staff. Edward Snowden, the former security contractor who leaked classified information about U.S. surveillance programs, says the arrest of Assange is a blow to media freedom. I'm Rita Foley.